The Anchored City podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. I have heard the oldest stories that the wisest man never told. And I cast aside my worries And just went digging for gold And I will scale the highest mountains Looking for the bluest blue But of all the roads I'll ever walk I just, I can't Welcome to season four of the Anchored City Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Kiekenfeld. During the World War II era, the Alaska Territorial Legislature passed the Anti-Discrimination Act of 1945. This fact gives Alaska the distinction of being the first place in the United States to ban discrimination based on race. It did so nearly 20 years ahead of the federal law, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which outlawed discrimination based on race across the entire country. It is often said that two events precipitated the Alaska law. The first took place in southeast Alaska, where, in response to the practice of not allowing Alaska natives into businesses, Roy and Elizabeth Petrovich wrote an open letter to Governor Ernest Gruning. Elizabeth Petrovich famously testified at the hearings for the Discrimination Act of 1945, saying, I would not have expected that I, who am barely out of savagery, would have to remind the gentlemen with 5,000 years of recorded civilization behind them of our Bill of Rights. The other event that's often attributed to the passing of the Anti-Discrimination Act in the territory of Alaska happened 1,300 miles northwest in Nome and involved another bold woman and another letter. Ten years before Rosa Parks refused to move to the back of the bus and follow the Jim Crow laws, a 15-year-old girl named Alberta Shenick Adams refused to follow the Jim Crow laws in Nome, Alaska. In the spring of 1944, Alberta was working as an usher in the Dream Theater when she began to critique the theater's segregated seating policy. In response to her criticism of the theater's policy, she was fired from her job. She countered with a letter. On March 3, 1944, the Nome Nugget published an essay from the then 15-year-old Alberta. The letter read in part, I only truthfully know that I am one of God's children regardless of race, color, or creed. You or I or anyone else is not to blame for what we are. But we are all proud to be what God has made us. What has hurt us constantly is that we are not able to go into a public theater and sit where we wish, but yet we pay the same price as anyone else, and our money is gladly received. We are not allowed to even go to public doings, only when money is concerned for the benefit of the so-called society people of our city. According to a website devoted to her, shortly after the publication of Alberta's essay, she went to the same theater with a white army sergeant and took a seat next to her date. She was ordered to move to the native section of the theater. When she refused, she was forcefully evicted by the manager. Subsequently, she attempted to buy a movie ticket, but was confronted and removed. Alberta struggled, but was taken by the police chief to the city jail. 
After her release, and with the help of her father's friend, Major Marvin Mucktuck Marston, Alberta sent a telegram to the territorial governor, Ernest Gruning, describing her story. And the rest, as they say, is history. The fight for equality in Alaska is forever tied to a teenage girl and the Dream Theater in Nome. A theater sits in the midst of Anchorage's struggle against racism as well. And that story happened a lot more recently than 1944. Where imagination just gets lost And I would search the wide world over For one proverb that is true But of all the roads I'll ever walk I just, I can't have you It's hard to miss the Alaska Center for the Performing Arts. The building sits in the middle of downtown Anchorage, next to Town Square. Its unique architecture and flashing light-up rings that adorn its facade attract your eye. Its postmodern design has been the recipient of both praise and criticism. The building was originally proposed by George Sullivan as part of his Project 80s plan, which also brought to the city Sullivan Arena, the Egan Convention Center, the new Lusak Library in Midtown, the Anchorage Museum of History and Art, and the popular Tony Knowles Coastal Trail. The Performing Arts Building was proposed with a budget of $45 million. In the end, the construction cost totaled $70 million due to cost overruns. In 1989, then-Mayor Tom Fink was actively trying to mothball the building. According to a New York Times article, in his budget for 1989, the mayor set aside $675,000 for the building, enough to pay for the heating, lights, and security, but not enough to operate it. Needless to say, the Alaska Performing Arts Center, which most Anchorage residents simply call the PAC, has had its share of controversy over the years, but none more scandalous than how it got its name. The story is recounted in Ian Hartman and David Reamer's excellent book, Black Lives in Alaska, A History of African Americans in the Far Northwest. The story goes something like this. In the midst of a now historic and dramatic economic downturn post-oil boom, more on that in Season 1, Episodes 3 and 8, and in the midst of increasing diversity in the city, the Anchorage Assembly voted 10 to 1 to name the Performing Arts Center in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. in September of 1986. They voted on this just eight months after the establishment of the federal holiday honoring King. Following the assembly vote, Reverend Dr. Alonzo Patterson, the pastor of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church, was quoted as saying, This is significant and meaningful. It's a good honor, but I'm going to be watching until I see the name up on the building. Pastor Patterson's words proved to be prophetic. Hartman and Reamer write, It was not terribly surprising that nearly as soon as the assembly voted to name the center after King, opposition emerged. Don Smith, a fixture in Anchorage's local politics and erstwhile conservative assemblyman, launched a petition drive to overturn the Assembly's decision. He is quoted as saying, I just don't have the feeling about Martin Luther King that some people in the community do. However, the reality at the time, according to the 1980 census, was that Anchorage was 84% white. The committee, well weighted towards the majority community, 
was in fact a rather close representation of the city using those numbers. Furthermore, it's extremely likely that the diversity of the city increased in the six years following the 1980 census, in light of the fact that there was a 5% increase in diversity in the 1990 census. All this makes the committee's representation even more accurate and further undermines Smith's statement. Regardless of the reality, within a few weeks, Smith had 500 signatures on his petition, and by the end of October, it was 10,000. In light of the petition, Anchorage clerks called for a special election. Hartman and Reamer note that, as the October special election approached, public debate intensified. The racial undertones of a white man removing King's name from public view were not lost on Anchorage residents. Longtime conservative activist and Don Smith ally Tom Studenmeyer promised to eliminate the black cloud over Anchorage. They add, the controversy over naming the Performing Arts Center revealed the persistent divisions over race and representation in Alaska. When the special election votes were tallied, the result was Anchorage residents affirmed the petition and rejected the naming of the PAC after Martin Luther King Jr. by a three-to-one margin. Pastor Patterson had been right to be skeptical about the naming of the Performing Arts Center. The strength that gather And with all those lessons learned With the crazy long life that I lived already And the scars I earned I still can't seem to find the answers And all the questions are never new but loving you just once was worth it, even if I... An article in The Atlantic from September 2015 quotes Lin-Manuel Miranda as saying of his hit musical Hamilton, This is a story about America then, told by America now. The show famously cast black and brown actors to portray the story of Alexander Hamilton, a white founding father of the United States, and other European-descended leaders from the colonial period. The show draws on hip-hop beats to drive the musical. All in all, it's a perfect mashup of America then and America now, just like Manuel Miranda claimed. During late August and early September of this year, the touring production of Hamilton was in residency at the Alaska Performing Arts Center. In the wake of the show's wildly popular run on Broadway and a much-watched recorded version on the Disney Plus streaming service, Anchorage residents packed the pack to see Hamilton. The irony of showgoers flocking to a production that intentionally draws on the diversity of contemporary America to tell the nation's seemingly homogeneous founding story in a building that, in light of its naming, denies that very diversity, is staggering. The contrast between the reality of today's America and Alaska portrayed on stage by the Hamilton cast and the history of naming the Performing Arts Center is mind-blowing and something I'm sure was lost on many walking through the doors. After Anchorage residents raised a quarter of a million dollars in the 1990s, a monument was erected in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. on the Delaney Park Strip in 1998, 12 years after the Assembly had voted to name the Performing Arts Center in King's honor. Martin Luther King Jr. Avenue on Anchorage's east side opened in 2010. Reverend Dr. Alonzo Patterson has still never seen Martin Luther King Jr.'s name on the Performing Arts Center building. 
With that history in mind, I invite you to join me on our next episode when we will talk about overcoming the racial biases we all carry as part of our discussion of what is possible. Until next time, I'm Joel Kiekenfeld. Be good out there. so much for listening. We're grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you're hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen, and recommend us to your friends. Those are small things, but they make a huge difference. The Anchorage City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the collaborative is to train the heads, hearts, and hands of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean a desire to see a world where all things are the way they're supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org or on social media at Anchorage UTC. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. Our theme music is by Anchorage's own Monica Lettner.